This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, part of people watching the Super Bowl is for the TV commercials, no question about it. We have seen numerous examples over the years of people being connected to a brand or a particular uh, item because of a commercial that they ran during the big game. But what components make a Super Bowl ad successful? Some recent uh, research by Wharton marketing professor Jonah Berger has taken a deeper dive into this. And Jonah joins us right now. Jonah, great to have you back with us today. Thanks for having me. So I guess let's start with with what this kind of recent trend seems to be around some of these ads in these companies sharing them online, or at least the teasers for them, uh, a week or so prior to the game. It's no longer as much people having to wait for the game broadcast itself to see these ads. You know, it's interesting. I think what's happening with the Super Bowl ads uh, is an example of what's happened with football more generally. Uh, the NFL has done a great job of this. You know, it used to be that games were just games, uh, but the NFL has really turned them into events, right? Every weekend, everyone watches around this focal event. They talk about it up to the event. They talk about it after the event. Um, you know, uh, baseball and basketball have had trouble doing similar things, but football has done a, done a great job of that. And I think you see the same things in terms of Super Bowl ads. You know, it used to be what companies were buying were impressions during the game, right? A lot of people watch the Super Bowl. That's a lot of impressions I can get on my particular ad. And so I'm going to pay a bunch of money to make sure a number of people see my ad. But today, in today's day and age, today's digital age and today's day and age where word of mouth matters so much, companies are not just buying impressions during the game. What they're really buying is that earned media echo. Right? They're really buying all the fact that people are going to talk about ads before the game. Uh, it used to be, at least not this year, but when we usually had parties, we'd watch the ads during the game and talk about them with our friends. Yeah. We'd tweet about it after the game. Monday morning, we'd come in and everyone would say, which ads did you like? Which ones did you like? And so, so much more of the conversations and impressions uh, about the ads are happening not just during the game itself, but around the game. And so I think uh, posting the ads before the game is just another example of that. They're trying to build excitement for this event that's going to happen on Sunday. Check out my ad before it gets there. Check out a pre-version of my ad, which might not be the whole thing, so you're more likely to watch the whole thing. It's really building conversations around these ads uh, so they have more impact. So what have you found out that, that, that kind of makes a good or a great Super Bowl ad these days? <laughs> you know, we looked uh, uh, at hundreds of ads um, uh, from a variety of different categories um, and even from uh, uh, different situations. And what we found was quite interesting. Um, so first of all, emotion matters, right? Um, ads that evoke more emotion in general are, are more likely to be shared. Um, but it's more complex than just positive and negative, right? Usually when we think of emotion, we think, well, some emotions are positive, some things feel good, and some things feel bad, right? Um, you know, happiness, joy, excitement, humor, all of those are a positive sort of emotions. Anger, anxiety, sadness, all of those are negative emotions. And so we think, well, maybe we share things that make us feel good, and we avoid sharing things that make us feel bad. And some of the data we found is consistent with that, right? You know, ads that make people happier, for example, or smile more, they're more likely to be shared. And, and some emotions, you know, ads that make people more sad, for example, are, are less likely to be shared. But we found something interesting that suggests it's more than just positive and negative. So there's certain negative emotions like disgust, 
um, that are actually more likely to make people share. So if an ad makes mm. you disgusted a little bit, it's weird, you don't understand it, or it does something sort of gross that, that makes you feel disgusted, you're actually more likely uh, to share it. And, and other research we conducted found that not in the case of ads, but other content more generally, stuff that makes us angry or anxious, we're actually more likely to share those things rather than less. And so, well, it can't just be positive or negative because some negative things are making us share. And so one question is why? And what we found is it's less about positive and negative per se and more about the associations that different emotions have. So some emotions are activating. They fire us up. They drive us to take action. Yep. Think about what you do when you're angry, for example. You want to yell at someone or throw something or take an action. When you're sad, you don't want to do very much. You want to sort of curl up in a ball and, and do nothing. And so what our research finds, both in the case of ads as well as more generally, is not just about emotions that are positive or negative. It's emotions that are activating or deactivating. So on the positive side, activating emotions, things like excitement, humor, inspiration, all fire us up and lead us to share. Whereas emotions that make us feel content, positive, but not high arousal, high activation positive, yeah. don't do very much. Same thing on the negative side, right? Things that fire us up like anger, anxiety, disgust are more likely to be shared. Sadness, things that make us sad are, are less likely to be shared. There's also, I guess, a little bit of an element of the storytelling that a lot of these companies uh, try and do. And I'm thinking way back to the days of the Bud Bowl when Budweiser you know, would have a string of, of Bud Bowl games uh, over the series of uh, uh, of Super Bowls, and that was something that kind of resonated with the consumer year after year for a while. Yeah, I mean, I think what these brands are trying to do is they're trying to make, just like the game is an event, they're trying to make the ads themselves an event. Right, so what the Bud Bowl did a really nice job of is you might see one. Um, I, I remember the big multiple commercials in a given year, right? Because there's different yeah. sort of quarters or whatever it is yep. at the Bud Bowl, um, and so you'd see part of it. Well, but part of it's not enough, right? You want to find out who wins. Yeah. And so you're looking for the next ad. You're staying tuned during the next commercial break so you can see what happens during the Bud Bowl. If it doesn't show up during the next break, well, then you're going to watch another break to see if it shows up. And so, you know, you're in the great position where you've got people looking for your ads. And yeah. so that's what I think smart brands are doing today, right? They're trying to treat these ads like events. They're trying to encourage buildup, encourage people to look for their ads, pay more attention to them, and, and talk about them afterwards. There's also, I guess, just kind of the mindset of, of the advertiser and the agency that's working with them because Budweiser had obviously the success that it did with, with those uh, Bud Bowl spots. But then you move forward many years and you think about the spot they just ran a, f a handful of years ago where you have the lost puppy in the Clydesdale. And that's something that resonated with so many people around the, the United States. Yeah. And, and I also think, you know, if brands are smart, they're thinking about what segments they're trying to appeal to. Right. And, and the drinkers of Budweiser have likely changed over time. And so the target segments that their ads are going after may have changed over time. Right. They may say, hey, we've got a certain demographic already. Now we need to appeal to a different demographic. Right. Or or make sure we're appealing to a broad enough demographic. And so I think they're trying to be smart about not only what emotions their ads are evoking, but who they're really targeting with their ads to make sure that they're they're growing their customer base. The, the question of tone, I know, has been brought up uh, uh, quite a bit in the last couple of weeks uh, leading into this Super Bowl because of the pandemic and, and all of the negative impact that we have seen uh, around this country and around the world. But thinking more specifically here in the United States and how that may or may not play out with some of these ads that we will see coming up on Sunday. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is a challenge. So many people are out of work. Uh, many people are sick or know family members who are either sick or unfortunately have been uh, have died due to the, to the pandemic. And so brands are sort of in this tough position of, you know, is it a time to be celebrating? Is it a time to be okay spending millions of dollars on uh, a Super Bowl ad? Uh, or, you know, should we be a little bit more something else, right? Should we be a little bit more uh, soft-spoken and recognize that, that what is happening uh, to the listeners and viewers of this game is, is not what's usually going on? And so I think brands are, are coming down in that challenge in different ways. You know, some brands are saying, look, you know, uh, people are having a hard time. It's up to us to entertain them, to make them laugh and, um, you know, make them happy again. Other brands are saying, well, you know, people are down. Uh, it's important to do something that resonates with them and, and recognize uh, the, the challenge that's, that's going on. And so I think part of how brands answer that question, oh, they're doing a good job, is, well, what brand equity do they have as an organization? You know, if I'm somebody like Mountain Dew, for example, um, uh, being soft-spoken isn't really consistent with who I am uh, as a brand. Yeah. Whereas if I'm a financial service institution, uh, that may be more uh, consistent. Um, and so really trying to not only strike the right tone in general, but the right tone given uh, the type of brand that, that they work for. I'm wondering if there's also going to be a, a lot of people wanting to see what ends up being the commercial from Robin Hood this year. We know they're doing a spot. And obviously with Robin Hood and the attention they have drawn over the last uh, week and a half, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what their spot actually is. It certainly is. But but you know exactly what we're doing now is in some ways beneficial for them. right? Yeah. Yes, we don't know what their spot will be, but we're talking about it because we don't know. And so some of that uncertainty is, I think, what smart brands are trying to leverage, right? They want us to pay attention and talk about it before and after the game because yeah. it'll increase the impact of, of their messages. So that value that they pay for the Super Bowl spot itself, $5.5 million, you can actually multiply that multiple times when you think about all the other touch points, like us talking about it or social media, that, that value uh, multiplies so much. Oh, certainly. I mean, you know, uh, let's look at last year, for example. If last year's any indication, uh, last year the top ads got more than twice as much uh, impressions uh, digitally, uh, online, through social media, and reposting the ads than they did in the game itself. Um, and so that, that, by the way, underestimates the amount of word of mouth in total, because digital word of mouth is only about 10, 15 percent of all word of mouth. Most word of mouth is actually offline. And so the impact that sort of social uh, earned media echo happens both digitally as, as well as offline. Jonah, thanks very much for your time. Greatly appreciated. Enjoy the game on Sunday. No problem. You too. Jonah Berger, Wharton Marketing Professor, joining us here on the show. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.